She needs to do some pronunciation. <laughs> no, I spelled Cheez-Its correctly in my text to you. I was so confused with a Z. because I was in a hurry. So when you when I asked to get you a snack and you sent me Cheez-Its, I assumed it was autocorrect. I assumed that you were that your autocorrect is dealing with you asking for cheese, the form of heroin, right. a lot. Really and you'd like you had misspelled Arizona or something. Cheddar flavored baked snack crackers. No, and it was auto correcting from cheese nips. Nickel nips? No, the little the little, the little, little off brand Cheez Its, right? Cheez Aren't nips. they made by Nabisco? I don't know how off brand that is. Aren't well, they're not Cheez Its. Don't Cheez Nips come in the shape of SpongeBob characters, or am I crazy? I, I did. I that too. There's also oh, golden cheese, cheese, which is like the Lance brand. There's also the like Annie's Natural brand, which are shaped like rabbits. Yeah, and those are. But just now we're talking off. about goldfish. Yeah, and those are rip off goldfish. But goldfish and cheese, it's are you know two sides of the same coin. And then there's whales. The gold standard. Well, and then there's those weird chicken biscuit things. <laughs> chicken biscuits are not weird. They're delicious. <laughs> like a chicken biscuit, like from Whataburger, that's great. No, I'm talking about chicken biscuits the cracker. Crackers? No, those are nasty. They're delicious. So, they've got ground up chicken in them. Welcome to Cracker Banter. It is our Cracker <laughs> Podcast. Cracker Cast. Uh, cracker Cast. Uh, today's subject is going to be the Keebler Club Crackers. Fucking love them. <laughs> Oily little sons of bitches. It would be better if they were saltines. You haven't tried Milton's. I like the salt-free saltines. That Delicious. is an oxymoron. <laughs> they exist. and a little bit of, like, Ooh. a nice gourmet cheese. Oh, my gosh. Dana, you look so sophisticated with your glass of wine talking Sorry. about a cheese I've never heard of. I'm not it making is, fun of you. It is it's 5 a, o'clock. Right? You look very powerful. Don't worry. Yeah, Tommy you. hasn't heard of cheddar either, so... <laughs> They're all fancy. <laughs> what did you say this was again? A cheddar? <laughs> um, I've only had a marican. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to Kinkcast. It is a podcast where we discuss the psycho- psychedelic psychology and uh, academic uh, research uh, behind different sexual kinks and fetishes. I prefer the word kink because it's more fun, and the word fetish just kind of sounds sex negative to me. Kink is the sex positive version of sex fetishism. Uh, Chris, what's our topic today? Our topic today is erotic asphyxiation, breath control play, asphyxophilia, autoerotic asphyxiation, hypoxphilia, scarfing, terminal sex, breath play, sex hanging, or squanching. Thought, uh, bagging. Bagging is a subgenre. <laughs> I thought uh, kinging, queening, or throning was going to come up today. Those won't come up will. later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um, if you're curious and you want to listen to the two minute, 30 second version of this episode, we do not endorse autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh, I guess that leads me into my uh, weekly disclaimer, which I have saved here. I'm not going to bother bringing it up. Um,. We're sex positive, you know, as long as you have a partner who's over the age of 18 and giving you consent. I forgot to silence my phone. Why don't you put it on airplane mode? I have important things doing going on, <laughs> and 8% beers are catching up with me. As long as your partner is over the age of 18 and Depending on the age of consent in your state. If we have listeners outside of the state of Texas. I'm going to go ahead and say well, my own personal sexual state of Texas is 17. Point. Your partner, yeah, exactly. you know, should always be above the age of 18. Keep it safe, just, sane, consensual. Yeah, just, you know, 
you should be positive about all forms of sex, no matter what they are, as long as no one's gonna die and everyone's cool with it. We're gonna make fun of some things, and we're gonna make, you know, a joke out of it. But we don't mean to kink shame anyone, and we don't want anyone to feel a deep, like, self-resentment or self-loathing. If you have, like, a really deep-seated issue with your sexuality, you should maybe consider therapy. Um, and of course, reach out if you are in a deep, dark place. Sex can become a swamp if you let it, and um, it's important that you enjoy sex. I'm rambling now. Someone change the subject for me. Hey, Dana, you want to change the subject for me? You, you raised your hand a little bit like you're going to take the mic away from me. I was going to see. Should we kind of define what, what, this, what this all involves? What sex is to us is the weekly preamble. Oh, yes. Let's do that. Uh, so before we get into erotic asphyxiation, which if you have the vocabulary of a seven-year-old, asphyxiation is when you cut off the oxygen or blood supply. To the brain. Yes. And erotic is having to do with sex. Or cakes, if it's an erotic cake. <laughs> Isn't that just a cake that has to do with sex? Or just a cake. Cakes are kind of erotic. I'm thinking about that's American a, Pie now. That's a different episode. A man can fuck a cake. A man can fuck a pie. I've seen some videos of a woman doing things to a cake you wouldn't even believe. But if you're choking on a piece of cake while having sex, then this episode is for you. Anyways, before we get into all this... You're choking on a piece of cake, you... <laughs> Need to like, it's an interesting kind of gag. You need to figure out gag you? reflex or you're something. Gonna, cake is like the softest thing on the planet. You're at your nephew's birthday party and you start choking on a piece of cake and you're not going to let this choke go to waste, so you better rub one out. <laughs> I'm Anyways, not going to die with a boner. Shifting gears to something entirely serious. Uh, we should go one by one, introduce ourselves, and talk about what sex is to us. If an alien being from the planet Venus came to you, sorry, I won't discriminate, if a Plutonian came to you and asked uh, what sex is, because they come from an asexual species, how would you respond? Sex is what? Uh, so I will go first. I, I, I was the one who proposed this because I you? wanted to give... Oh, I'm Chris. Morgan. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Chris Morgan. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to give context to uh, the FDI, because I feel like, uh, based upon this, it would uh, change, it might adapt our FDI Hi, scores. I'm from Pluto. I don't know what the FDI is. The FDI <laughs> is the Fetish Danger Index, which we do at the end of every episode. Is that, like, nationally recognized by a country or planetary body of some sort? Uh, it actually is nationally recognized by a planetary body. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't... A nation and a planet are different things. Well, I don't know how the government works on your planet. Earth. Oh, okay. So on Pluto Pluto's one nation. We just have... Oh my god, one world order. We have igloos and we don't have sex. Instead, we play video games. Okay, well, this is going to be very confusing for you, but uh, listen to the previous two episodes and uh, more to come. We on Pluto do not know what Feet or Sonic the Hedgehog are. <laughs> okay. Then you're listening to the right podcast. It's strange that you have such a strong comprehension of English <laughs> and have no idea what Sonic or Feet are. We float two feet off the ground and long ago evolved from the need for bipedal movement. So you do know what feet are. 
they're, 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 I'm feeling very attacked right now. I don't know if I feel safe on this planet. Chris, why don't you tell us what sex means so, to you? For me, sex is the most intimate thing that you can do with another. It is all about connecting with someone else in the deepest way possible, and that is one of my main criteria for judging the FDI of one of our topics. If the kink is alienating or has a high barrier of entry, I will rate the kink higher than if it is something more benign. I take this into account along with physical danger that the fetish might cause uh, when determining a KDI. This doesn't mean that someone should be ashamed of their fetish, just that the general public may not be willing to accept it yet. So does that mean, like, the idea of, like, an empty one-night stand is kind of offensive to you? I don't, yeah, I don't really care for I mean, you, you're, you're allowed to have that opinion, I guess. I guess it's you, you're not, it's you, not offensive to me. And, like, people do what they want to do. But I do feel like a lot of times, and it's been shown that uh, with sex workers, uh, men visit sex workers to have a connection with someone else, for the most part. Uh, like, men who've been married for a long time will go to a sex worker because they don't feel like they can connect with their wife anymore. Or something along We've all those lines. seen Arrested Development when the men cry when they're with the prostitute. Yeah. yeah. Dana. Hey, um, so I'm Dana, and what sex means to me, um, it's really able to be broken down into several different purposes uh, and ways to really make the most of it. Um, it's kind of difficult to put into a box, but I really do enjoy experiencing sexual pleasure with someone I care deeply about. So therefore, I really require like an emotional connection as well as a playful nature and intimate trust. Um, and that forms kind of a trifecta that really define what criteria are important for sex, at least for me. Um, I think sex is delicious when served vanilla or sprinkled with kink, uh, but should always be fun and meaningful. It can be therapeutic, artistic, invigorating, ecstatic, and affirming. Um, for me, I'm a sex positive feminist researcher, and I think you get out of sex what, what interest and effort you put into it. So I encourage everybody to explore their sexuality safely and consensually. Dana, you're like if Velma from Scooby Doo went around solving sex issues rather than pulling masks <laughs> off of like monsters. <laughs> oh, if it hadn't been for those darn kids, that'd be a weird version of Scooby Doo. <laughs> I mean, that's already a plenty weird. I'm sure we can go on to um, pull DeviantArt off right now. Oh, yeah. I, I can tell you from personal experience, you certainly can. I mean, Fred and Shaggy and Scooby are all very sexy individuals. Hey, the Sarah. Ascot. Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I've thought a lot about this question over the last week about what sex means to me, and I really think it just boils down to um, to usually, you know, multiple people. Um, usually using uh, the physical touch and skin-to-skin contact to explore what makes them feel good, um, be it, you know, physically or emotionally. Um, I think beyond that, it's really very up to interpretation, and it feels very weird to me to try and define it beyond that. I think if you and um, your partner think and want it to be sex, then it is. I like that. Nice and nice and clean cut. Um, has everyone here seen the movie Alien slash the movie Aliens? Very sexual. Anyways. Yeah, it's a very sexy the movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's this idea, and I refer back to this idea a lot, and that is um, we as beings live in this kind of shitty time in the uh, history of existing because we come from monkeys. Someone else didn't sign the cell phone. They have the same ringtone as I do. 
It's probably because I have an iPhone. Yeah, we all suck. Apple products suck, he said, on a table with five of them on it. Womp womp. Um, my point was, more or less, uh, there's the two frightening uh, existences, and that is the existence of a xenomorph, which is just a cruel insect-like animal with no real humanity to it, or the cold, calculating, logical android, which is uh, no real way to exist. It's not human. To be human is to be stuck between being a animal and being a spiritual being. And sex is one of those topics that is very lost between those. Because as I see it, sex is kind of a meaningless thing. It's trivial. We would evolve past it eventually. And then at the same time, it is something residual left over from being animals. Um, I think it's more of a trifecta. You got the logic end that you're leaving out. Well, yeah, that's the android end of sex, and then there's the xenomorph end of sex, and uh, the spiritual nature of sex. And then you got Sigourney Weaver in her like future underwear right there in the middle. What about the cat? And then you've got Jonesy. You know, Jonesy was a pussy in space. Which, um, <laughs> no, well, that that movie's actually interesting that you bring that up because that movie is, or all the parts were written for either sex none of the parts were written specifically for any sex they were all written indiscriminately asexually yeah. um, I'm rambling because I've had a little bit to drink I'm sorry about <laughs> that um, I thought a lot about this question of the week and uh, I guess it kind of brought me to a head on realizing that um, I have a very negative relationship with sex I have a lot of negative emotions around it and a big part of starting this podcast was to go out and explore different ideas and to see different experiences um, experiences to see if I couldn't gain any um, better perspective for myself. Jesus, eight percent is a strong beer. Well, let's get uh, out of this train back on track. Yeah, take it away from me, please. The next topic. Oh, you're pointing. Well, well I guess the main topic. Don't you have the link? The you you have the list. Sequence? Yeah, that's... I've got the segment sequence. Why would you trust me with that? <laughs> I can't be behind the wheel right now. So I was trying to throw it to you by saying the next segment is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, today the number one question for segment number one. What is it? What is? Erotic asphyxiation. Erotic asphyxiation. Uh, Sarah, I'm giving this one to you. Can Erotic you... asphyxiation is uh, using, um, cutting off your uh, oxygen, whether that's your own or a partner's, um, for sexual pleasure. Could also involve, like, blood flow, too. We found out in research that it's actually, like, sometimes one or the other or a combination of both. All of that falls under erotic asphyxiation. A lot of my research actually ended up landing in the play of, um, what is strangulation versus what is choking. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different, um, perspectives on that as well. Could you define that for us? Or is that Uh, a good place to start? Yeah. I'm happy to do that now. Because I'm Um, curious what the difference is. Were you saying that it depends where you look? Mm -hmm. Because MMA fighters. Yes. And, uh, if you, if you go from the perspective of the medical community to be, um, choked is inside of the neck. And so I don't think, and I mean, if I'm wrong, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I don't think there's anyone who's into sexual choking by its medical definition because choking means you have something inside of your throat. Like uh, you are Liz Lemon choking on her microwave meal. Yeah, it's internal. It's internal. It's something inside your neck. And strangulation is something outside of your neck. Like you're the little boy in the movie Poltergeist 
and the animatronic clown malfunctions and actually chokes you, and the director just thinks you're doing a really good job acting and you almost die on set. True story. Look it up. So strangulation. It's called outside, acting. Choking inside. Very good. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm really glad that you like differentiated those because I had no idea what the difference was. In the MMA, mixed martial arts, it means something entirely different. Um, I believe I saved a source on here somewhere that uh, says which is which, but if I had to uh, hazard a guess without looking at my notes, I am fairly positive that choking means to cut off the air supply, as in you still have blood flow from your heart to your brain, but you are no longer receiving oxygen. That's choking. Strangulation is when you just cut off your blood flow, meaning you can still breathe, but your brain is no longer receiving oxygenated blood. Right. Are you sure those aren't reversed? Because most chokeholds concentrate on the uh, arteries in your neck, not on your uh, Like I was said, trachea. I'm not positive which is which, which is what makes me a shitty researcher, but the Most point... Most of what I saw, I think, was along those same lines, too, though. And I, It seems to be in contention. Yeah, like, and I think what matters is either way, you're more or less doing the same thing for the same reasons, mm -hmm. because whether you're Sexually. Off, yeah. Sexually, whether you're cutting off blood flow directly or you're cutting off um, oxygenated blood, mm -hmm. you are still reaching a mountain climber's high which is the brain is not receiving enough oxygen, and because the brain doesn't have enough oxygen, you have an intense uh, giddy feeling, a lightheaded feeling, which supposedly will make an orgasm a million times better. So yeah, great, you're uh, going to die in a hotel closet. Yeah, it's over overlapping different euphorias. But usually when you do hear about it going wrong and people dying because of it, that is because of a lack of blood flow, not a lack of oxygen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, if you've been living under a rock or have never watched a TV show, um, autoerotic asphyxiation is typically done, like I said, in a closet. It can also done, be done with a, uh, a beam on a ceiling or in a uh, where there's a lead pipe. Okay, I've seen it done with, uh, like, bed posts. Yeah. You uh, lay down beside your bed. Really, anywhere you could hang a body is how you do it. It's typically done with a belt. Again, we don't endorse this on the show, um, but you, you lean against something to cause pressure on your neck, and you jack off while, uh, while the pressure's on your neck. That's autoerotic. Erotic asphyxiation can be done a number of different ways, um, from bagging, mm -hmm. which is when you put a bag over your head, Oh, so I guess we should just really quickly go over the difference between erotic and autoerotic asphyxiation, right? I don't know that we've yeah. Yeah. done that yeah, yet. Yeah, I think that'd be smart. Go ahead. Um, so, yeah, uh, erotic asphyxiation would be, like I said, um, you uh, with a partner, uh, maybe just choking each other, um, doing anything, smothering, um, anything to resist, uh, to restrict each other's airflow. Autoerotic asphyxiation would be when it's just you, um masturbating and choking yourself, restricting your airflow in some way, um, alone. Uh, it is a huge part of the BDSM community. Uh, one of the few articles I did read that was, uh, like a, like a form is it talked about how, uh, when you are dominant over a sub, it's really great to grab someone's nose when their mouth is occupied, because even though it's not a full erotic asphyxiation, you're not holding their nose so long that they get lightheaded. You cut off their oxygen supply to demand their attention. So I suppose a part of this would uh, qualify that you don't always have to choke someone to a point that they're not receiving oxygen to their brain. You can just choke someone for the sense of um, 
domination. I do feel like that's two different things, though. One is for the express purpose of gaining greater pleasure, where one is I'm gaining your attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one is one is I'm getting your attention. One is asphyxiation. Heightened sensitivity yeah. or power. Just physical control. It's also involved in power play. And that's why I would imagine a ton of people are probably into simulated strangulation. In mm-hmm. fact, that's one of the things that, uh, without going into too much detail, that's something I've experienced with multiple partners where they do not want to be strangled for a second, but they really like a hand on their neck that is applying pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. More of a control thing. Yes. Okay, yeah. Because it's very dominating to have a hand over your neck, mm-hmm. um, which I understand. Yeah, it's they, just the feeling of knowing that, you know, they can cut off airflow. At any time that they'd like. And especially if, it, if it's a powerful partner, the idea of having a giant MMA scary hand on your neck that can cut <laughs> off airflow at any minute, I mean, that's terrifying. And if terrifying is sexy, then I guess that's super sexy. I guess that would fall into the exhilarating sort of sort of capacity. So that's that's interesting. So we're discussing okay. different variants mm-hmm. of erotic asphyxiation. So you've got autoerotic and versus erotic, and then you have different methodology, which, as we just went over, simulated. Uh, Dana, you did some research on bagging. I did. Um, bagging it kind of refers to a very specific. Um, well, I guess this ties in kind of with products too, but um, specifically the kind of toys you use to achieve um, this this kind of asphyxiation or um, uh, breath play, breath control. Um, bagging specifically refers to uh, like gas masks or PVC um, hoods or rubber masks, latex masks that are used to um essentially do the thing that your parents told you never to do, which is put a plastic bag over your head. Yeah, the warning label does <laughs> say zero to three, assuming a four-year-old is smart enough right. not to put a bag over his head. Right. right. So, well, so yeah, a four-year-old's that's, not going to jerk off. That's specifically using some sort of a bag, whether that bag has um, some kind of, uh, you know, some of them have zippers, uh, some of them have small um, cuts or things that can be opened so that breath can be allowed in quickly, uh, if maybe the bag itself cannot be removed quickly. Um, but it's, um, some of these come with complete uh, suits, um, PVC suits that actually zip into, um, a bag, uh, head kind of thing, um, to restrict air to the entire body, almost like you're putting yourself in a giant Ziploc bag. But so the bagging products specifically are about cutting off, uh, air at its, you know, yeah. Origin at your to your entire face. Yeah, it yeah. goes over your head and around your neck. Um, very much like, and frankly, some of these, some of the ones that I saw looked like a condom for your head. Um, when you were doing research on these, mm-hmm. did, was there extensive warning labels on this? Yes. One of the things that I found is that there are huge chunks of the BDSM community who don't particularly, particularly like erotic asphyxiation. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, when I was doing research on lingos, there is specific lingo for uh, autoerotic asphyxiation and other things like it. And that specifically, like, BDSM focuses on, uh, the community focuses on SSC, which is safe, sane, and consensual. So you, it's safe. You've discussed it. It's sane in that you have arrived, you and your partner have arrived on it at, in a sober state of mind and then consensual you've both agreed upon it whereas this goes into what is called edge play which is uh fetishes that challenge ssc and they uh it's referred to as a rack which is risk aware 
consensual kink where it is everyone knows the danger involved and this is like stuff like cutting and like blood play and that kind of thing too but uh it's uh everyone's aware of the risk involved so risk aware and then consensual everyone agrees upon it and then kink just is alternative sex. I'm from Pluto. Can you define the word kink for me? I'm sorry. It literally, it just, <laughs> um, it literally just means alternative but, sex. Uh, but yeah. Dana, when you were looking at the products, was there extensive warning labels or links to information about safe breath play? Um, well, frankly, everything that I read said that there really is no way to consider any kind of breath play uh, safe because there is no way of knowing when someone is reaching um, the point where they no longer can breathe and will fall into unconscious an unconscious state. Um, so it's really it's really hard to deem any of this safe. And a lot of the things that I did read did say that um, uh, that you know these these are being sold with the warning that it could you know cause cause uh, or it, it, there are inherent risks to using we, any of these products. We did watch a video that was like it's very important to have a nonverbal safe word. Mm-hmm. Right. Jazz like hands. Jazz hands. Well, and, uh, <laughs> or tapping. Uh, making eye contact. Well, like, tapping is appropriate just because mm-hmm. that goes back to MMA. When mm-hmm. You have to tap out. Right. You cannot speak because there's compression on your neck. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but no. you also want to make sure it's something that you wouldn't just do. Right. Yeah. Because jazz hands, right. tapping. That's just not like sexy mm-hmm. if you accidentally. Holding up one yeah. pinky. Right. Jazz yeah. hands are very sexy. sexy. Oh. Well, with the, the video right that we saw, the jazz the jazz hands were probably. I mean, like that's yeah, that seems that's. I feel like that's a pretty like obvious like hey um, right, problem. Let me out. But so. that uh, that leads into a really good point about autoerotic asphyxiation is mm-hmm. that nonverbal safe words are such are so important specifically because it's hard to tell when you're going to lose consciousness, and that's why so many people die during mm-hmm. autoerotic asphyxiation is because they try to get too close to the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot medically prove what is this point of no return. Right. Right. You'll go unconscious with pressure on your neck, and it only takes another 30 seconds because you've already deprived oxygen before. Yeah, it's like they're die. trying to reach a higher orgasm than previously. And you're right. alone. Yes. Yeah. Which kind of prompts me to bring up this point. I was reading about this, um, and it says that some breath control fans say that what they do is acceptably safe because they do not take uh, what they do up to the point of unconsciousness. But even that is worrisome for two reasons. Uh, You really can't know when a person is about to go unconscious until they actually do so. Um, And more importantly, unconsciousness is a symptom, not a condition in and of itself. Um, it's got numerous underlying causes ranging from simple fainting to cardiac arrest. So there's all kinds of different ways that one can become unconscious. Um, and so, you know, even though some people might argue that it can be considered or parts of it or, you know, some methods of it can be considered safe. Um, it's really, you know, it's really um, scary to think that, you know, any any bit of this is, is safe. Yeah. Uh, without endorsing autoerotic asphyxiation for even a second, I found an infographic that talks about how to do it safely. Oh. Which I would like to uh, specify. This infographic says it's how to do it safely. There is no safe way to do any kind of erotic asphyxiation. You are cutting off oxygen from your brain. Yeah, that was one of the things. uh, So SSC, they defined as there's safe and then there's not safe. RAC defines safer and less safe. Like, there is... as Something that is part of RAC, you are safer but you cannot be safe you can only be safer and less safe yeah i mean it's it's the idea of if you're going to have to drink and drive you might as well have only had one beer versus eight beers 
Right. Uh, that was probably uh, a... There's probably a better metaphor for that. I was thinking about a way to do it with surfing, I guess. Yeah, uh, we don't condone drinking and driving. <laughs> I don't. I never do. Unless you're only eight beers in, and then you're fine. Well, that's 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 wrecked and driving. <laughs> that's its own experience, and I don't endorse that either. Mm-hmm. But the, the infographic that I found uh, talks about that. If you absolutely must try autoerotic asphyxiation, you should be lying down on your back with your feet elevated hmm. and have nothing attached to your neck. You simply should be um, holding your breath, and if because if you lose consciousness while you're doing this, well, you have nothing around your neck, mm-hmm. so you will return to normal breathing, and with your feet elevated, you will get an increased. Also, I believe I remember something from uh, like uh, biology that it is almost impossible, or it is impossible to hold your breath until you are unconscious. I imagine so, but that doesn't mean there couldn't be exceptions yeah. to that. But um, yeah, that your body essentially has limits on it that you cannot do that. I mean, we're, we're not doctors. Don't do autoerotic asphyxiation. I think that we've yeah. hammered that in. That should be on many tombstones, and that should be tattooed over everyone's forehead. Uh, don't ever do it. Um, this one researcher consulted numerous... Um, SM positive physicians, SM positive health professionals, and all all of these shared those same concerns um, and discussed how breath control might be done in a way that is non-life-threatening and have come up blank. Uh, They discussed how the risk may be significantly reduced and they come up blank and uh, also discussed how it might be determined that an arrest is imminent and have come up blank. There's no, like, uh, warning signs that a person is about to become unconscious other than becoming unconscious. So um, I think that that makes a pretty major statement on the safety of the issue at yeah. hand here. I've got five, six articles here, and they all have the exact same open. But those paragraphs. are doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't trust doctors. They're medical professionals, yeah. These are the people who support vaccines. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, yeah, no. Vaccines are killing people and giving us autism um all the opinions we don't endorse on this show <laughs> just gotta get all those in there also get, get vaccinated <laughs> yes get vaccinated don't drink and drive and don't do our autoerotic asphyxiation we shouldn't have to tell you these things but here we are um so that leads me to the next big question which kind of delves away from the uh, act of it is what what do you think causes a person to develop this as a kink what do you think happens either in the childhood, early adulthood, late life, where you become interested in the idea of breath play or the idea of uh, going lightheaded, depriving oxygen in the name of a uh, greater orgasm? Well, I think uh, a lot of the time it's not even necessarily psychological, right? I think it's f- more physical. I I, it's- yeah, I do think it's physical. I remember a lot in childhood, like, people, like, kids like sucking in a lot of helium and they get lightheaded afterwards right. and like oh man that feels so weird like the, i should keep doing this the choking game the mm-hmm. choking game is a thing that resurfaces every decade or so and i encountered it i remember yeah. there was a girl who wanted to play the choking game at someone's 13th birthday party and she made someone choke her and then she like had a hallucination oh I, I thought this was gonna get when weird. i was in boarding school and everybody just wanted to get high and they wouldn't let us so we yeah, could choke each like, other out in our dorm rooms it's mm-hmm. it's like an extremely common thing in developing young adults so like it's like that makes me feel good that made me feel good when i was young why wouldn't i try combining that when I am older. Well, it's, it's that same idea of, you know, the first time you have a sexual encounter when drunk, the first time you have a sexual encounter when high, if that's a part of your life. Um, it's 
I'm in an altered brain state. Can I combine that with sex and what is the result? And a lot of the times, maybe not even that, maybe you're just having sex and your partner tries it or something happens and you realize, oh, that feels good. And then you continue exploring it. Oh, yeah, I have, uh, I have friends that are completely against this, do not like it at all, but people have tried it on them. I mean... It's, it's one of those things, like, that happens sometime. Not consensually happening, but, like, in the heat of the moment, like, yeah. I want to try this out. Yeah, not, not necessarily discussing it beforehand, but realizing it feels good while it's happening. But Chris, didn't you find something that specifically talked about, like, what causes this, or what, what the oh, motivation is for this? The origin for it, uh... For it, yeah. Uh, there's a medical origin for uh, autoerotic asphyxiation. Not autoerotic, I'm sorry. Erotic asphyxiation. Really both, but still. Uh, so, it started off... Well, I'm sure it existed before this, but it was documented that it started off as a medical treatment for erectile dysfunction. And that doctors in the 17th century were seeing... That when people were hung, when men were hung, they would have erections. They were hung, mm-hmm. and then they were hung. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, they attempted to use it as a uh, cure for erotic asphy- or a cure for erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they would uh, attempt uh, erotic asphyxiation now, to incite an erection. Did that turn out to be a misunderstanding? Is that the idea? It's the blood pulling. Yeah, is erotic asphyxiation is an altered brain state that increases giddiness. The giddiness paired with an organ or, or an organism. The giddiness paired with an orgasm creates a greater high, more or less. Where the which is yeah, different erections. I believe the erections that uh, are produced by a hanging are because the blood is pulling. Uh, around the lower extremities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the favorite. It's one of the best Wikipedia pages I've ever visited. It's called a death erection. It's a very short Wikipedia page. Well, not a, it's a tiny one. I'm sure we all found ourselves on it this week. Not a death erection. Death erection. <laughs> it's a it's a death rocky word. Tets, oh my god. Uh, um, portmanteaus are not as popular in the past, and especially oh. in the academic community. It's but, interesting because like this this concept um, that was kind of perpetuated by this um, research into is this a treatment for for ED uh, was was also popularized by the Marquis de Sade's uh, novel Justine. Uh, which I think is interesting because we all know uh, the Marquis de Sade was like the actual origins origins for for, for uh, sadomasochism and and sadis, sadism. So I'm not educated, and I'm not going to do the Pluto voice, but I don't know what you're talking about. You've never heard of the Marquis de Sade? <laughs> that's actually something I've never heard. Of. <gasps> oh, well, we'll have to. That's that's. How like, are you on this? I podcast? need like an I need like an hour to explain the Marquis de Sade. But we'll hang out. Let's just say that, yeah. he was he was the origin for um, some very explicit. Art as well as some amazing stories about um, alternative sex and all the kinks that we probably have and experience in different ways today. One of the, one of the most famous writers to live, probably. Chris, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. a smart man. I build floors for a yeah. living. As she said, it, the origin of sadomasochism. Like, okay. he wrote mm-hmm. about, like, binding and that kind of thing. What, yeah. what the point is, and uh, I just want to clarify this before we move on from the subject entirely, uh, part of the death erection, especially when hanging, is that the uh, there would appear to be a massive ejaculation. 
and that created that's what really spurred the interest is there's only people watching someone hang and they watch this guy get the biggest direction of all time and then he is the biggest cum of all time and there were even reports of um female ejaculation when they hang a woman the libya the libya Libya. The Libya. The Libya. Libya. The Libyan insurgents. The anatomical anatomical jewel that is a woman's We're trying to hold this podcast together, but all of us have had a little bit more to drink than I think we're comfortable with. Can I say that? You've had a few glasses of wine. Chris has had a beer and a big thing of wine. Sarah, I think you've had a couple sips of this beer. 8% beer. It's a standard glass of wine. It's a Libya. The Libya became enlarged. Yes. There was was a massive discharge of fluid. Libya. Yeah, the Libya. Yes, when the when Libya. when Libby was hung, she had a massive discharge. Libby's Libya became inflamed. Um, no, what really got us going is that there was a massive discharge, which has nothing to do with sexuality. If the body is hanging vertically, there's going to be a discharge. Now the heart is no longer beating, right. which is what causes the erection. And now mm-hmm. there's no longer muscles to keep in urine and to keep in spooge and to keep in prostate fluids. So they weren't. They weren't coming. They weren't masturbating right. when they were up there? There was nothing sexual okay. about that boner, and there was nothing sexual about that discharge. It was all the fact that there's no longer muscles to contract. Just like how dead people shit themselves. Uh, if you're hanging vertically, a bunch of stuff is going to kind of seep out of whatever pee hole you may yeah. or may not have. It's not, like, explosive. I called it a Libya. Jesus. <laughs> Multiple times. I know. I know. Even after you've been corrected. Hey, I know. Do you know what a clitoris is? Are we going to find it? A Krampus? <laughs> Since we're on a... Clitoris? Uh, What's that? You know, there's not enough There's not enough clitoracy out there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm no. here to spread awareness of clitoracy. Um, clitoris What's our literacy. next segment? Are we done with major misconceptions in sexual psychology? I'm not sure that we've talked so much about misconceptions. Let's move on to misconceptions. Uh, let's yeah. talk about misconceptions. Um, I feel like this is a topic that... Uh, has an actually pretty appropriate public response. And that is, uh, the public response to this is, hey, that sounds kind of dumb and dangerous. And um, We won't call it dumb. We won't say it's dumb. I mean, there is an actual physiological reason why you would want to do this. So I don't know that I you think can call it, is it dumb. You can certainly call it dangerous. Inappropriate to do it by yourself. I agree. No, I, so. I wholeheartedly agree. I don't think dumb is a very... Positive. You know, when okay, dumb choice of words. What I'll, what I'll go with, with when using the word dumb is if you look up autoerotic asphyxiation or erotic asphyxiation, there's this joke of having a spotter. I think there's even a few movies that have had the joke of if you have to jack off while choking yourself, have a spotter. I, and I think in one of the while doing research, I believe I remember seeing like if you're going to do erotic asphyxiation, autoerotic asphyxiation. You do it with your partner because there is a kink right. to watching someone else masturbate and get pleasure for it. And if you're doing autoerotic asphyxiation, the only time to do it is with your partner. Like you do it to yourself, but you have someone yes, there who can. And that's why I stand by the word dumb. And mm-hmm. I, I used the analogy earlier to drunk driving. I think that really, if you're willing to take any risks, and, and there are safer ways to do this there are precautions you can take uh, yeah as but, we said there's safe earth there's not safe yeah there is there is no safe way to do this and that's why i'm willing to take any risks whatsoever i would call those dumb okay but i don't think it's very safe to say that sex is usually very logic driven in general so i think 
uh... Logic and the avoidance of death are two different things to me. I feel like if you want to jack off to Sonic the Hedgehog, there might be things about that that are distasteful to some people. There might be things about that that are illogical to some people. There might be some facets of that that are gross, but it's not going to kill you. I just think it's maybe important not to downplay the very real possibility that for some people this is the only way to get off. And for them... And I'm not encouraging it for them at all either, but I think to shame them for that is probably a little... But there are techniques to desensitize yourself from different kinks. So I'm not talking encourage that maybe instead of shaming. I feel like if if there was any time where shaming would be appropriate, it is for a person who's not going to take upon uh erotic asphyxiation without absolute concern for their safety. Well, and that's one of the probably the biggest misconceptions about this particular kink is that very few people will actually seek help for this because of the shame, which fuels the cycle of guilt, anxiety, and then also release. Which I actually find strange because this is one of the most, like, prevalent But I think because there is that idea out there of, well, it's obviously dangerous, so just don't do it. Mm -hmm. People don't want to ask people for help. Yeah, I don't stand by that for a second because um, the just don't do it policy is uh, not a solid one. For all the the dangerous fetishes, which is something we have not delved into yet, for the dangerous stuff, I I think therapy should be the top of the list Mm -hmm. and communication. And um, to just throw caution to the wind and continue doing it in an unsafe manner. Um, I'll reword dumb to uh, not self-preserving smart. Right, right. I mean, I just feel like if the goal of this podcast is to educate people, then probably to tell them that the things they're feeling are unintelligent is not the best way to go about that. I will stand by this and this alone. Hey, don't fucking do that. Yeah, you shouldn't, you could do, die. You shouldn't do that. The, the no. list of authors who have died from this was like 80 people long. Actors <laughs> is like four or five people long. There is this entire thing we've not discussed yet that is that the data around autoerotic asphyxiation is hard to find because some That's... a large amount of the time when someone finds their loved one has right. died by autoerotic asphyxiation, they stage the crime scene to look like a suicide, including writing false suicide notes. Yes. Moving and that's a concept of a Robin Williams movie. It, it okay. is, but that's not, we're not there yet. But I, I do want to say, autoerotic asphyxiation, doing it by yourself, is something I believe that all of us flat out do not condone. No, I do not condone it, yeah, mm-hmm. whatsoever. If you are going to engage in erotic asphyxiation... There are steps to make it safer. It's still not safe. But if that is something that you as an adult who has fully developed want to engage in and you and your partner are accepting of the risks, then go ahead. Like, if that is what you want to do, then do it. Do not engage in autoerotic asphyxiation. And do not cite Kinkcast as the reason you decided to try it out. Let me, uh, let me, let me just. Note. That'll I, be weird. I'm, I'm going to talk over you because I really think it's important to also mention um, a, a statistic here. 
Uh, the American Psychiatric Association em- estimates a death rate of one person per year per million of the population. So about 250 deaths last year in the U.S., um, but law enforcement estimates are actually four times higher than that because so many people will sanitize, um, you know, any kind of a scene where this has occurred. Um, most such deaths occur during solo play. However, there are many documented cases of deaths that occurred during a play with a partner. Uh, it should be noted that the presence of a partner does nothing to limit the primary danger and does little or nothing to limit most of the secondary dangers. I'm actually surprised so, that it is that low based on right. how much media attention it gets and based upon how many celebrities have mm-hmm. died because of it. Because and multiple celebrities have died because of it. And if right. you talk legality... There is no guarantee that if you are involved in um, erotic asphyxiation with a partner, that you will not be charged with manslaughter. Right. And mm-hmm. you can go away for a very long time mm-hmm. because the jazz hands safe move maneuver was not noticed in time. Or was, yeah, it was too late. So, um, but that, yeah, again, that is a risk that they are taking upon themselves, that it's a risk that should have been discussed beforehand. Autoerotic asphyxiation? No. Throw that out the window. But erotic asphyxiation if you are two consenting adults you want to accept those risks go ahead if in my we opinion or in the backwoods of alabama i don't think the the judge or jury are going to understand big words no, like I'm consent. no but you have but to you also ha- understand that you're taking that risk yeah you're taking the risk if i do happen to kill my partner or give my partner brain damage or something along those lines, then I can go to jail for that. That is a risk that you have to assess. I I guess it it just keeps coming back to this thing for me where so many different fetishes get made fun of. And and even on our sister podcast that you and I are on, Chris, you know, we make fun of someone with water play and it's not meant to kink shame. It's just kind of to to have fun, be lively. So many things are made fun of, but really... Very few fetishes could result in someone's death. And it feels like the priority should not be trying to make it safer. And it should go more towards evaluating your own self on a psychological and spiritual level so that this is not something you need. And I guess that that is a form of kink shit. That's the thing. It's, it's Most kinks are not something that you need. It's something that you desire. want. You want, right. you desire, you enjoy it. It... It amplifies your enjoyment of sex. Like, There are lots of things that people do that are seen as just kind of edgy, like voyeurism, that could very well result in you going to jail and ending up on a sex offender list, and that's a huge risk. But people yeah. just accept it as normal because it's hot and edgy. And voyeurism is probably the, if we're going to call that a fetish, is probably the most prevalent one. Or it's certainly, you know, up there. It, it would be hard to find the statistics to figure out which oh, ones are kind all, of the most prevalent. All of these, finding the statistics for any of these is going yeah. to be... But popularized, sure, absolutely. I, I stand by um, my, my, my point, which would be um, I would consider talking to a psychological professional of some sort if you are very interested in breath life, whether with a partner or with yourself. Just because um, I, I think ultimately, well, I don't want to kink shame anyone. I, I think this is on the short list of kinks that if this is something you need, you have to have. You should consider finding a way to where it's not something you need or have to have. Well, here's the thing. If there's something that you need or have to have that is not like 
the essential basics of life, then I, I'm saying if you need or have to have certain things... If that's, I have to have Shadow the Hedgehog in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, no. If, if you have to have certain things, unless it's like food or water or shelter, that's going to be an addiction, essentially. But sex is a need. Sex is a need, and it's on one of the uh, hierarchy of needs. All right. I'm saying if you have to have a certain thing, have to, flat out, like you cannot do it without this, then that is something that you need to look at yourself and take into yourself and be like, I need to understand that this is not something, you need more self-reflection. Does that idea um, imply that all people should be um, okay with vanilla sex? That if you have to have your kink as a crush, as a crutch, does that mean that um, your kink, you have an unhealthy relationship with your kink? I think I worded that okay. I'm not positive. Dana looks like you got an answer to that one. I, you know. If you can't come without it, do you have an unhealthy relationship with your crutch? Especially in instances. One that endangers your life, yes. Okay. Uh, I think you're right in saying that anything that you feel is worth risking your life in order to achieve right. a heightened orgasm, uh, you need to see a medical professional. Um, however, if, you know, having someone's hand around your throat in a, you know, domineering kind of manner also heightens your orgasm, that's different. But if it's something you're willing to risk your life in doing in order to achieve higher levels of arousal, you should probably seek out some kind of professional counseling or service uh, to help you deal with that because it's not worth risking your life for uh, a heightened orgasm. And that's, I feel like that's pretty much what we're all nodding our heads for. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> what I really want to make sure with Sarah is that I'm trying to clarify that boundary between kink shaming and making sure that people don't die unnecessarily. I mean, I guess for me, you just kind of, um, you're using language that for me just kind of makes it sound like it is so easy just to walk into a therapist's office in the town where you live and say, hey, I can't come unless I have a belt tied around my neck. How do I deal with that? It's not so easy just to look for help. So a lot of times you have to look to people maybe like us who are teaching you your kink is okay there are ways to maybe play with it to see like well i also think tommy's point is that that is probably the best form to talk about it is right no and a I, therapist but there know, are other ways to go about it i think good point to speak for sarah and to clarify what i said um the actions you'd be taking would be dumb you are not a dumb person and no one should be self-hating. No one should hate themselves. Even for the worst of the worst, you should not hate yourself. You should find a way to heal yourself. Right. And I, I would not spit on anyone for anything that they do sexually. Rather, I would say if you are in the small margin of people who find something uh, sexually interesting that really falls into the crack where you can't go, you're in the nether regions, I, I, I would say that you should seek help rather than trying to find um, sexual satisfaction. Yeah, I think for most people who have a kink that involves putting their life at risk, they're probably not viewing it as necessarily something that's healthy and great. Like, they probably do feel a lot of uh, shame about it a lot of the time. And if you understand the risks and you've done your research and you've seen how dangerous and how what like what a high percentage... Um, of, I guess, failure it has, and you still 
think that that's worth it, then yeah, I think probably we on this podcast are not going to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah, we're not, we're not here to help anyways. We're just right. exploring some of these, right, right. but what's exactly. our next, what's the next exactly. thing we need to discuss here? The next case we have is products. Awesome. Um, I have had a lot of fun, um, filling up my kinky shopping cart, um, what this week. Uh, numerous ones. Okay. Uh, I frankly look at everything from Etsy to um, ads on FetLife to um, Kink.com has different, all kinds of different products. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things out there from latex masks, rubber masks, gags. There are some gags that allow better breathing um, than others. Um, PVC suits and hoods, gas masks, choke collars, um, which is a thing that is kind of overlooked, I think. Uh, looking specifically at choking collars that, that you know, pull a little bit tighter as they're pulled by whomever you're playing with. Yes. In your research, did you find a product for autoerotic asphyxiation that was marketed for that specifically? Yes. Yes, I did. You did? I did. Um, uh, And (laughs) let me just say, it's one that will take your breath away. Um, God damn it. I found a... um, $4,100, sorry, excuse me, euro product that is an Atlantic white-sided dolphin skin autoerotic asphyxia belt mounted to reindeer skin and provided with a door or handle hook. I'm opposed to that because it it killed a dolphin. Yeah, no, and a reindeer. reindeer. Um, But it is a thing that is out there. You can purchase it for the low price of 4,100 euros. What does it translate to in dollars? Uh, You know, you do the math. I'm not a math person. Uh, I'm a researcher. 6000 Hey, that's yeah. $6,000 um, for something to hang myself with? Yeah, Euro's like a one and a half times. But you hang yourself in style. So, I mean, if this is a thing that turns you on, you want only the best for your autoerotic pleasure, um, you know, this is this is a thing that is out there. It exists. I'm not condoning using it. I'm just saying it's a thing that exists. And as a matter of fact, um, I don't think that the website that actually sells this, even though they literally described it this way and offer a door or handle hook with the product um they showcased it on a mannequin around the waist not around the throat so I mean, this is a belt so that can be worn in like different how places bongs are all marketed as water yeah. pipes and right. have, you, have you felt dolphin skin i've never touched mm-hmm. a dolphin it's very soft I was just impressed because I was thinking, oh, surely they're going to put this on a person around their neck, but they didn't. It was around the belt. Um, and, and I think that was, you know, I don't know. Did the product say that, was, did the product involve the word autoerotic asphyxia? Yes, it did. Uh, autoerotic asphyxia belt Weird. is literally what it was called. Um, of course, you know, this is not marketed in the U.S. It's, you know, m- m- marketed in, in euros, so I'm assuming this you is not a thing that would. Yeah. In their stomachs in Europe. I have no idea. I'm not exactly sure, but this is this is what I found. Um, also, there are lots of T-shirts with slogans out there, like "Choke" in a Coca-Cola-esque kind of font, um, as well as a shirt that says "Daddy controls your breathing," which is a thing that you can purchase. Um, I think it was on T Fury. Um, also, breath control masks without, with or without zippers, available in multiple colors. Although personally, I was kind of a. Uh, 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 appalled because it looks like a condom for your head, uh, made in rubber and latex. There's also a very interesting looking breath play kit, which I was r- absolutely blown away by this. Um, for three, $379, it comes with a whole bunch of stuff, including an ozonerator electrode, 
which is interesting. It takes away, like, it replaces the oxygen with ozone. Um, Double-sided. Yeah, which you can't breathe in. Uh, You want to know what ozone smells like? Smell it after a thunderstorm. Right. That that smell after it's rained is uh, ozone. Sounds kind of beautiful. It does. Yeah, ozone smells fantastic. Yeah. But it's also not going to do you any favors in terms of the oxygen that you need. Um, But it comes also with a double-sided body shroud. One side is conductive while the other is not with a breathing hole and tie-down grommets that that is five by seven feet uh, wide. So you can literally strap somebody down into this thing where it deprives them of oxygen but provides ozone. So there's like space there but not stuff that you can breathe it also comes with that that applies to me that there would be people who would um, play with helium then are do you suppose there are folks who do um play with helium i'm absolutely positive that there are um it also comes with a breathing tube nasal cannula so the little tubes that go in your nose oxygen tubing and an oxygen mask as well as a remote switch uh, so you can operate this whole thing remotely, which means, technically speaking, you could use this particular kit by yourself, which makes me a little bit concerned. But I'm sure that it is intended for use with a partner because you can operate this, this for only three hundred and seventy nine dollars. Call to order yours now. Yeah, that's how much PlayStation costs. Um, yeah, that, no, that is products. double the price of a PlayStation yeah. for three hundred seventy nine dollars. Yeah, it comes no, a, a PlayStation Four is like. 250 those have gone that low in price yeah i gotta go to the, the stop yeah the so that's stop. that's in what's that's in the kinky shopping cart this this week please play safely with your kinky sex toys yeah i uh, i gotta go back to the idea that a uh, a huge part of breath play is not the actual suffocation but uh, just the, the grabbing of attention i'm gonna go ahead and bring this into the subject uh, chris had mentioned king and queening which the non-gender version of that would be throning, I suppose. But it's, uh, it's, that's when you sit on someone's face and deprive oxygen. But with the specific purpose of depriving oxygen. Yes. It's not just sitting on someone's face, which, yeah. But I, sitting on someone's face to smother them. Yes. But I, I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing here, I'm completely guessing, this is on no research. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine that is not... For the person who's being smothered to receive sexual satisfaction from being deprived from oxygen, it is to give satisfaction to the person smothering the idea that they are lightly suffocating a person. Mm-hmm. It could be both. And Control. absolutely, there are situations where it could be. But I, I think a lot of breath play is going to be grabbing someone's attention by suffocating them for a very brief amount of time. Because a lot of the BDSM community is releasing control. I mean, half of it is right. releasing control. Is, giving, is that, that moment of you can breathe in again. Yeah. Whether that is you can move again. Or that moment of knowing that someone else is deciding for you when you're going to breathe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having little to no control is, is a thing as well. So that brings us to the next part. Oh. So what's next? That brings us to... The FDI. We, as... Wait, have we talked about pop culture? No, we've not talked about pop culture. Oh, are we saying that? I'm sorry. The FDI was very last. The FDI yeah. is very last. We are we are reaching the end. But uh, let's talk about pop culture. A bunch of famous people have died doing this, and I'll be the first to say it. David Carradine. He probably was in, the most famous. Probably anyway. the most famous. He was in Death Race, and he was in Kill Bill Volume 2. And uh, Kung Fu. Kung Fu, the TV show. He was very, not, very long-running TV show. He was not in Kill Bill Volume 1. He was only in 2. And uh, he was found in a hotel room, 
Because he hung himself with a bell. Shortly after Kill Bill. In Thailand. And he also had ropes around his genitals mm-hmm. at the same time. His wife even commented that he was into hypoxophilia. Uh, and this, he passed away in 2009. Would you find that word for him? Hypoxophilia. It's it's the same thing. It's, it's the, the love of being denied owl. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, oxygen. To find owls. You can't have owls. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really just put off the idea there's no owls in this It's, a, it's <laughs> a Harry Potter themed one. It's like... Well, You're denied owls all night. Also, the lead singer of INXS, Michael uh, Hutchins, was also found naked with a belt around his neck and porn at his feet in 1997, even though that was also ruled a suicide, which a lot of these are actually ruled as suicides uh, for the sake of the family and, and those people involved. To be, um, uh, in excess. to be contrary in here, to be devil's advocate, if you accidentally kill yourself during autoerotic asphyxiation... Isn't that still a suicide? It is. It is. Yeah. But people want to know, like, what was actually going on. So, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things. Um, this stuff gets found out there, you know, especially around famous people. There's always going to be, you know, um, discussions or talk, especially even most lately about Chris Cornell. People are concerned. Oh, gosh, was this the same kind of instance? And we won't really know until this comes out later on. But um, a lot of these things are ruled suicides early on. But we find out later on that there was actually it was actually perhaps accidental because there wasn't something like a suicide suicide note um, or something left behind indicating that they wanted to take their life more that this was an accident um, in, in the process of, of um, you know, exploring autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, also, the actor Albert Decker in 1968 uh, was one of the first, you know, like popular culture references that this happened and is actually popularized quite regularly um, in Rick and Morty, the cartoon show um, by the character Squanchy. Um, who literally refers to autoerotic asphyxiation in uh, Morty's garage as squanching. Yeah, so it's so much of a, his identity that he's even calling it, the, you know, his name. The, everything squanch. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, language yeah, yeah. of squanch is more about feeling. It's not literal. Like, you just replace words with squanch and people understand. Chris, right. you are Squanching. a giant computer. Uh, what are some other famous instances of autoerotic asphyxiation in popular culture? In popular culture, not specifically people dying i'm talking about in like fiction uh there's world's greatest dad which is a a robin williams movie about a man who's hates his son and uh finds that his son has died through autoerotic asphyxiation and proceeds to fake it like it's a suicide and write uh, a suicide note and publish memoirs under his son's name to become famous Californication, which is the, you know, semi-autobiographical biographical semi-copy about David Duchovny. Apparently there's an episode where a character dies yep, there, from erotic There is, yep. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, he... It, that that one dealt with a lot of sex topics. I have not seen any of it's a It's a really good show, actually. I mean, I suppose we should be watching it for this podcast. So it's, yeah. about a, uh, it's about a writer who... Uh, unintentionally sleeps with one of his fans who is underage. Oh. We're not delving into that one yet. Yeah. It is a but it is a very very good show and is although that is the like inciting incident of the series, it is a very comical oh, fun series. It's like the beginning of the show. Yeah. It sets off the... It's the yeah, the first episode. It's a very fun series. It's it is actually very enjoyable. Like it makes you laugh. But it discusses this particular topic. Like in one or two episodes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very interesting. Okay, sorry. You just, have, you just have that master list of all the authors and artists who have died from this? I wrote down the most noteworthy, okay. uh, most of them being actors. Oddly enough, there was a lot of older names. I remember when I, when I found the Wikipedia list that was all the people who died, it was a lot of um, 
you know, people from the 1800s and 1700s. There's a composer. Yeah, mm-hmm. whose name just don't matter to me because I'm uncultured swine. It's also German. Well, I'm trying to follow pop culture specifically because it's things that our listeners will probably have been aware of or familiar with or at least know the names of some of these people. So, um, But I think it's interesting to note that a lot of these are male. Um, like, that's a thing that we didn't really mention yet is that it's – I think it said, like, the the – People that die most often from autoerotic asphyxiation are men over the age of forty. It's very male centric. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean there are females. No, no, I'm I'm not saying yeah, that. No, I'm just I, saying I that it, yeah. like that's that's what we hear about, which I think is interesting. Like that, surely there are women that are way into this as well. So I don't really know. Yeah, I don't I, really know. If I was to hazard a guess, which you know, again, when you start getting to guess territory without research, you're kind of being an asshole. So mm-hmm. kind of being an asshole, but. Um, it's venture. It's the female venture. orgasm is supposedly more powerful than the male orgasm. And autoerotic asphyxiation, for some people I'm sure it is, but I would say for the majority, it's not the idea of being strangled that turns them on. It's simply the brain chemistry. But right. I, I'm only speaking through anecdotal evidence. I have met a lot of women that are into asphyxiation, erotic asphyxiation. No, it has it's not, not auto-erotic. Not yeah. auto-erotic, but erotic asphyxiation. Because it's yes. not about the oxygen depletion. And, and I, may I transition into the FDI? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah that, That's why I was going to say when I did the FDI, this can't simply be put on there as one number. Right. Mm-hmm. I would Great. say it turns you on to have oxygen depleted for a brief moment as attention mm-hmm. grabbing. I would give that a one. Mm-hmm. I think if you think being choked is sexy and you're being completely safe about it, obviously... The idea of being choked really briefly in that excites you being dominated. That's a one. That's Consensually. A Consensually yeah. sure. dominated by being choked briefly. That's a one. Yeah. But I would say that if you are into having your oxygen depleted by your partner for the for the high. Near uh, unconsciousness. Near unconsciousness. <laughs> the mountain climber's high. Mm-hmm. I would give that a three. And autoerotic asphyxiation doing it by yourself, I'd give that a four. That, that's right up there. The only reason it's not a five is because you are willing to take the risk of dying, so you cannot harm anyone else. That's what keeps it being a five is the mm-hmm. idea that you are giving the consent to die. Right. And right. Uh, I've been wanting to work this in the whole episode. Maybe if you're willing to die over an orgasm, God damn it. An organism. If you're willing to die over an orgasm, maybe you don't have that great of a self-worth. Yeah, maybe that's a separate issue. Yeah. But there's also... We obviously can't talk to anyone who has passed away from this, but you can make an argument that they probably didn't assume that they were going to die. No. They probably did this multiple times and were like, I'm going to be just fine because I've done this 10 times, 100 times before. So I'm going to be just fine this one time. And then it only takes that one time. That's all it takes. It's the same thing that happens when you know someone who drives drunk. Right. We all have a friend who drives drunk and there are the two responses. There's the ignorance of I'll be fine. But there's also the people say, I don't give a shit. If mm-hmm. I die, I die. And I, I would imagine it's that same split on autoerotic asphyxiation of the people of who blindly assume they'll always be fine and the people who say, if this is it, if I go out, I don't care about myself enough to preserve my, my life. If I die doing autoerotic asphyxiation, then good, I'll be dead. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like one of those is much smaller than the other. Mm-hmm. Like people who are like, I don't give a fuck if I die is going to be much, much smaller than the people that are like, I do not think that I will die. I Can't I, happen to me. Yeah. This goes into what I want to call our police racist, which is 
it seems pointless to try and... Don't give me that look, everybody. I'm sorry. It goes to the point of, why should we try and discuss the the percentage? We're never going to get hard evidence on this. It, it's too yeah. out there of an idea to say, oh, it's 93%. Oh, right. it's only 7%. Oh, it's 33%. We can't put that in a box because that research really will never exist, honestly. So well, the fact that do, both groups exist just only serves to prove the point that both groups do exist. But we do have evidence of people who've attempted suicide, and I believe it's over 90% of people who've attempted suicide have said that as soon as like they were going through with what they were going through, that they immediately were like, this was not a good idea, I should not have done this. Jumpers almost universally are like this was not a good idea. I should not have done this as they're falling. Mm-hmm. Right. But I feel like you give that same percentage point of people who accidentally died doing autoerotic asphyxiation is, I don't care if I die or not. And then if someone was to miraculously be saved after a near-death experience doing that, they'd say the same thing of, I can't believe I didn't value my life enough. Yeah. Or maybe it's what makes them feel alive. Also, that's what I keep thinking yeah. is like, oh, my gosh, why would somebody risk their life to do this? It's because it probably makes them feel alive. For yeah. the same reason you would do drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's there's, really what it yeah, comes down there's to. There's adrenaline junkies that just go out there and are like, how can I pump up my right. adrenaline as much as possible? It's a wow. bad habit. In terms of, of the FDI here, I would definitely agree with your numbers, except for I would give autoerotic association a five. Okay. Um, I, I otherwise I completely agree. Yeah, I agree with your numbers uh, fully. I think the only reason I am more inclined to give it a four is just because we're on one of our first episodes and I'm holding out that five for something really terrifying. Um, no, I, I I stand by the idea that yeah, what, and I agree. It's 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 only you and yeah. you like know one hundred percent if you really do consent. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess it can't be you put the belt around your own right. neck or not, scarf or what have not you. Not to spoil anything, but I would imagine the only things that are going to make it into the five category are unsimulated sadism um, and uh, pedophilia. Mm-hmm. Really, the five category is going to have a very short list in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think... For you. For me. It's For how you. we right. Yeah. It. I don't think we have to have we're a consensus officials. on this. Yeah. But. We, are, we are absolutely not officials on this. Maybe that's, we'll learn that something... That, I'm just thinking about danger. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's that about danger... That is why danger, I wanted to give the to context earlier for what sex dangerous. means to us. Right. Uh, so, uh... Last week, everyone gave their FDA on uh, Sonic Fetish, saying that it is mostly for a fetish, or is mostly a fetish for developing adults. I believe that that is not only demeaning for people who are fully developed adults with the fetish, but we should not be rating fetishes based upon whether or not it is something you have while you're developing. We should be rating them based upon a fully developed adult who has that fetish. So... I think, based upon my criteria I gave earlier, of is this alienating? I do not think that this one is alienating. I feel like this one is a very common one. We've seen a lot of products with it. We've seen a lot of people that do it. We've seen a lot of people that have died doing it. So I feel like I would give it a one on, is it alienating? It's not. A lot of people do it. If you were ask someone to do it to you, they would probably be like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll try it out. I would give it a 5 on the danger index. Like, this is one of the most dangerous, as in 
unintentionally dangerous. You there's could stuff. Die. Yeah, there's stuff that is intentionally dangerous, which would rank up there with a five as well. So, I would give this a four overall, and that it is physically extremely dangerous, but it is also very common, at least as far as we've seen. I like how you said that unintentionally. That makes sense because. I feel like that's it's a good distinction yeah. to make. So yeah, I would say a four overall. Um, I, I agree with that. I think maybe there should be further discussion outside of the podcast itself of what exactly makes up a five or a four, mm-hmm. whether on a personal scale or for us as a community. But uh, it kind of always circles back to the same point of. Well, these also these ratings are very subjective to us. Yes, right. and, and you know us, we come together as a as a as a commune, and we merely make suggestions. We are not any kind of authority because no one can have authority over sex. Really. Well, then there's also the whole thing, like, people will find each one of us relatable in different ways, Mm -hmm. and they'll find one of us more relatable than the others, and they will agree with us or disagree with us based upon our discussions. In a situation where there's four of us in a room, I think it would be really boring if people were going to agree with all four of our opinions all the time. Well, yeah. we have been able to reach consensus on some right. of these. Um, I mean, foot fetishes and, and Sonic and things like that. Like, we've been able to come to consensus on a lot of these. Yeah, foot fetish um, is very, very common. Yeah, it's very, very benign. It's very benign. There's almost no danger involved in it whatsoever. Yeah, if you're a developing sexual mind and you're going to choose between the three that we've covered so far... <laughs> I would probably recommend you go for the feet. Yeah, yeah just push the feet. feet together. and yeah, You'll be in good company, and uh, you'll be able to find plenty of partners of the opposite sex who are experienced or A-OK with trying it out. I do feel like as as a podcast, though, we can all agree that we want people to be safe and, and explore their fetishes safely um, and consensually. Yes, I would so. say that if you are struggling with the want to try autoerotic asphyxiation or it's something you've been doing... I would consider taking steps towards not wanting to do it. Or have a buddy there with you, watching you if you're going to do it. Well, have a buddy there. Do your research, learn what is the the ways to do it with the, with the least risk involved, and yeah, just, you know, use your head. If you're listening to this podcast, you're an adult, so. We like mm-hmm. our listeners. We, we like, we like it. <laughs> yeah. You should not engage in autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. And it goes without saying that, you know, I think this is the absolute thousandth, thousandth Jesus. I should have drank some more. This is the thousandth time that this has been said. Don't do it. If you have to do it, try and make it safer. Excellent. I think that wraps that up. And I think that uh, now let's get into our post amble. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Fans, please write us. We want to hear about your obscure shit. And Brian, we really want to talk to folks about what, yeah. what what gets them off. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Exactly. We want to know all of that. What yeah. are your thoughts? Sarah, I just don't feel like you didn't get to say enough this week. And I always love your contributions. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like for this one, it was um, harder for me. I don't know. The, mainly what I did learn that I felt like I wanted to talk about was ways to make it a little bit safer. And then very quickly, it seemed like the tone was not going to be talking about making it safer. What's some of the stuff you found? Um, just that there are lots of points um, on your neck that you can play around with if um, your partner, like if you are in a situation where your partner is asking you to choke them, um, there are pressure points like on either side of your throat right um, beneath 
uh, your jawline. Yeah. You just apply a little the, bit of uh, pressure there. It'll kind of cut off um, your oxygen flow in a way that gives you that giddy lightheaded feeling without restricting your blood flow so much that it becomes um, immediately yeah. dangerous. One of the main things I found is like if you are going to engage in choking someone, choking you. Like, they should not be trying to compress your trachea. Because right. that can do permanent damage. That will do permanent damage. You should be trying to hold the arteries on either side of the neck. Like where you take your pulse. Yeah. Just a small just a small pinch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can feel the, like, if you can feel their uh, pulse, like, that's where you should be putting pressure. You should not be holding their throat down and keeping oxygen from flowing into their body. You should be... Restricting the blood flow to their brain, not to the point where you're going to do any damage, because we're trying to make this safer, not safe. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. Just like all four of us in this room, some of you at home are grabbing at your neck right now, trying to see like what's safe and what's not. And uh, I think, without speaking too soon, and and speaking from experience, there is a way where you can hold a neck where you're really not going to be doing any damage. You might leave a skin bruise. And I think that's where you kind of dig your thumb and your pointer finger underneath the jawline, mm-hmm. and it simulates the stress of being strangled mm-hmm. without cutting off any blood flow or um, harming the windpipe in any way, mm-hmm. because uh, this is something we've neglected to mention, and it is very important. Uh, any serious strangling incident can have permanent effects. Right. You might not die. You could wake up with permanent brain damage or a damaged windpipe. Yeah. Which can cause a whole series of medical issues that are long term. Right, and I feel like that word choke that you hear so much um, in like the kink communities is maybe a little bit violent and maybe sort of like steers it in a, in a little bit more of a dangerous direction because people start, like Chris was saying, you know, kind of trying more to crush mm-hmm. their partner's the neck rather than yeah. actually just, you know, play around with ways that you can like make the blood flow differently, make your air flow differently. So, yeah, I encourage you to um, rather than just diving into a sexual scenario and just throwing your full force of your hand around someone's neck, maybe play around in a non-sexual scenario with pressure points and see what feels good and what feels scary so that you go into it knowing what to avoid and what your limits are. Do your research. research. Knowledge is power. (laughs) Play the choking game with yourself. Oh, Jesus Christ, don't do that. (laughs) Knowledge yourself. Um, Knowledge yourself. But it comes back to the idea of um, if, if you're going to be into simulated sadism, and that's the S in BDSM, um, grabbing the neck is the ultimate attack. Uh, I, I practice MMA for about three months, and for everyone at home, I, I'm a chubby loser. I wasn't good at it, but I, but I did it so for three months. Tommy, where would an MMA fighter choke his girlfriend? Not or boyfriend. Or no, wait. Yes, choke. But the point I was going to is, you know, there was nothing sexual attached to it for me, but when engaged in a fight... The entire point of the game mostly is to try and grab the neck, especially as someone who was a rookie and didn't really understand it. While there are arm holds and there are leg holds that get a person to tap out, which is more or less, not the safe word, because safe word is sexual, but but, but it is the, the safe maneuver of, of a fight. Um, safe word's only sexual because we've made it sexual. It is a It is a form of a safe word in that it is... I am telling you when I am done. So in, in, in MMA, or most martial arts and wrestling, to tap is to either make a physical tap or to say the word tap. and um, Or uncle. Or uncle. If they've said say uncle, but the person yeah, attacking has to if say If they're 12 years uncle. old and they're yeah. wrestling, uncle. The point is to grab at the neck. And the entire point of this tirade is to come back to the idea of having your neck grabbed 
is the biggest surefire way of letting someone know that you have dominance over them. More than punching them in the face, more than covering up their eyes or pulling one of their fingers backwards or putting your finger in their butt. Nothing. I don't know. I've seen a lot of those kung fu movies, like grab pressure points. <laughs> they go right in the butt. Yeah. Uh, Grabbing the, the lobe of the ear. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think... Grabbing the pinky. Yeah, it reminds me of mama cats carrying their babies around. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says, I am the boss of you, like grabbing somebody's neck. And so I think I that's was why actually, it is so sexy. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking specifically of, like, uh, kittens and, well, big cats when they're young. Uh play fighting. Right. Like yeah. They they go for the neck and then they stop. They grasp on it and then it's done. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing that's worth saying is um while there is no way to do safe breath play, I, I think there could be and you know, I'm not a doctor here, so take this with a grain of salt. I think there could be a hundred percent safe ways to simulate what I would even want to call neck play. The, which is where yes. the idea of strangling is so sexy where you can have firm hands and pressure on the neck without risking anybody's safety. And I think that's maybe where it can be helpful to talk about where the lines are for you in like outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Neck plate. That's so brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. Like a safe simulated breath play. Like that's 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 good. But I think the people, only way to safely do asphyxiation is if you were to set them up with some kind of brain monitor. Which isn't sexy. I mean, at that point. <laughs> I mean, unless it is. I mean, uh, it is medicalization sexy. of sex is very sexy in, in a lot of different um, fet life kind of Oh, groups. I'm going to stimulate your vagina. Well, a lot of people like getting into medical sexiness. That's for another podcast. Ladies and germs, I think we've talked about everything we had to talk about for this subject. Um... Does anyone have any last notes going through what they've written down throughout the week of something they wanted to share that did not come up today? Uh, I didn't get to share Gaspers. Let's go into Gaspers, buddy. Uh, I'm call today. It's very quickly. It's uh, just someone who uh, engages in autoerotic asphyxiation. It's a Gasper. Oh. See, when I heard the term Gasper, I assumed it would be somebody... Like who... a friendly ghost. <laughs> 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 a very desperate ghost. Is that, that's how he died, right? <laughs> ghost of runners who got hit by trucks. So it's the secret origin story of Casper. See, what I what I guess when I heard Gasper is um, I assumed that might be somebody who um, didn't necessarily care for strangulation, but the sound of somebody breathed, like gasping for air was sexy to them, which I can imagine. Like, you're into... Your lover goes under the water and holds their breath for as long as they can, and then you're aroused by the idea of them like absorbing as much oxygen as possible. Somebody out there has that kink. I could see that. That's super sexy. You know, like That's the sound sexy. of choking, the sound of gagging. Yes. Yeah. Burping. I guess we'll get that into sure. get into that in another episode. I mean, I, I think that when we finally do get to one of these, we and it came up last episode. We are eventually going to have to tackle um, how. Sound is a very underappreciated part of sex. Sound and smell. Sound mm-hmm. and smell. Mm-hmm. Goes right back to burping. Uh, one of the two things I want to reiterate uh, is the SSC and the rack. Like, I feel like those will be brought up a lot. Yeah, in, especially actually, what I wanted to write those down for our big reference page, because I, I think that's something that we should just build into our daily vocabulary yeah. rather than bring up occasionally. So, uh, yeah, edge play, SSC, and rack, I feel like those are going to be terms that 
we might not be seeing them much in that they are being categorized as such, but they are. Well, that like, goes into the idea of um, it was recommended we do an episode on BDSM, and that was shot down because BDSM is too broad. BDSM is going to be coming up every four or five episodes. We, we would have to do, like, an eight-parter. Yes, because Which I feel like... Especially since you don't know who Marquis de Sade is. Yeah, fuck me, whatever. I feel like every single kink is the kink that it is, and then there's an entirely separate version of it that fits under BDSM. Like, there's the, there's the standard version of the kink, and then there's the BDSM version of the kink. Mm-hmm. And especially when we start getting into humiliation, any kink that is weird can be converted into being a humiliation, which fits under the umbrella of BDSM. Right. And I mean, you look at what we've discussed about one to do an episode about, which is um, consentical. You've got tentacle porn, which is going to fit under BDSM. It's forced, and consentical is going to be the non-BDSM interest in but that's, a tentacle. That's one of the things that, in particular, BDSM communities use these two terms because they specify consent. B- BDSM requires consent. Absolutely. If it's not... If it's not consent, then it's not BDSM because it is rape. Well, the word simulated ruins it, but it's really all about that S. That is, all forms of sadism, by the definition of the word, kind of have to be simulated sadism. Or at least consent-based sadism. If if they are consensual, then I would agree. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you are giving pain to someone and they are giving consent, that's different. If you are giving pain to someone... For the explicit purpose of giving pain to someone without them knowing it, like without them expecting it, that's not consent. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, true, unadulterated sadism is to derive pleasure from hurting a person. Right, but that can be done consensually. Yes. It can literally just be spanking. It doesn't even have to be dangerous for it to be sadism. And spanking would be like a zero. It could be like she has to pee and you're not going to let her go to the bathroom. There is no zero. That's something that needs to be clarified. Foot fetish was a one. One is where it begins. <laughs> oh, yeah. Foot fetish would be a two if spanking was not zero. All right, okay. kids. <laughs> I, th- I think that pretty much sums up our, our thoughts and, and research on um, autoerotic asphyxiation uh, and asphyxiation in terms of just general sex. Okay, we've wrapped it up. Uh, fans, love yourself. If you are experiencing heavy shame or you're stuck in what I keep referring to as the swamp, where a fantasy owns you and you do not own the fantasy, talk to a therapist. We are not medical professionals, but we'd love to hear from you. Uh, with that said, I think I've been Tommy. I'm pretty sure that's who I've been. I'm not going to drink as much in the next episode. I am certain that I've been Sarah. <laughs> that's good. You have, you have a lot of uh, dominance over your own identity. At this point in time, I'm completely sure. I'm Dana, and I'm looking forward to continue shopping for all you kinksters. And I am Chris. Should we say how they can contact with us? Uh, I don't reach us. Reach us on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, we're available, and we'd love to hear feedback from you. Oh, yeah, on the uh, podcast at Kinkcast podcast and uh, Kinkcast on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, make sure you clarify we are not kinky cast. Kinky cast is someone else who does the exact same thing. We just think we do it a little bit better. We should hook up with them sometime. (gasps) That would be sexy. That would be very sexy. All right. All right, we'll see you kids.